Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Church Online. If you are new, welcome. If not, welcome back. Uh, so we're just going to jump right in today with a new teaching series centered on discipleship that we're calling The Way. Uh, and if you're new to following Jesus, uh, one of the key things Jesus asked of his followers was to make more learners, more Talmudim in the Hebrew, more disciples of his way of life. In other words, his way, his way of living. To do that, we have to understand what Jesus' way actually was. Jesus' way was not simply being good and not doing bad. A better way to look at it is to take a close look at the actions Jesus did and ask ourselves if Jesus was leading by example and expected his followers to imitate his way, how can we do what Jesus did as well? Jesus encapsulated his way with a term called the gospel. He would go around preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. So before we put the cart before the horse, it would be good to explain what the gospel of Jesus is so that we all understand it better and can live this gospel message out as well. Living it out and showing others how to live it out is how discipleship uh, to Jesus works. Not just hearing it and thinking about it, but actually living it out and then saying to someone, do what I did just there because that's how Jesus did it. Uh, in the New Testament, scriptures, uh, the word gospel is the Greek word euangelion. And this word literally means good news. The word euangelion is not a word that Christians or Jesus invented. It's just a common Greek word that they used in a special way. Euangelion was used all the time when officials and politicians and government figures wanted to announce something they thought, or maybe sometimes they were trying to convince people, was good news for them. So one of the more recent historical figures was in the historical timeline would be Alexander the Great, uh, who talked about the good news of the healthcare he was providing, safety, stability. He talked about these things that he was providing through the government as good news. So when he's making his proclamation of good news about whatever new program or legislation he was instituting, he wasn't just doing it as a military strategist, but he was doing it as a quote-unquote evangelist. He was sharing the good news, evangelizing, sharing the good news with the masses. So kind of a side note here, you can kind of see how in our day and age, if you look at the word evangelism or evangelical, how, which is where euangelion is the root of, how, how this can quickly go awry. It can kind of go sideways if you're trying to convince everyone that you have good news, but it really isn't. Especially if you're not living this good news out and your actions don't match up with what you're selling. But back to ancient history for a bit, another example would be Julius Caesar. When he died, his son Octavian, who became uh, Caesar Augustus that we find in the Bible, he said, hey, there's a new star in the sky, and that star is my dad, it's my father, Julius Caesar, who died. He's now ascended up into the heavens to be a god. And you know what that makes me? That makes me the son of God. So he sent out his herald, an announcement, via his angels or messengers, and he sent out this euangelion. He thought everybody needed to know this good news that he was the son of God. So he sent this message out all over the empire. And his good news was very specific. So what does this mean in terms of what Jesus is talking about when he preached his gospel, his euangelion, his good news? Well, when the, Bible, uh, when the people in the Bible in the first century heard the word euangelion, it wasn't just something general or nebulous like, Good news, like the weather is good today. It's fine weather out there. 
It would be an announcement of good news that was always very specific and important that everybody should know. Like here's one that I think, for example, we're all going to hear uh, sooner rather than later. It'll be an announcement. It'll be like, announcement, announcement, read all about it. Queen Elizabeth has died. Now that hasn't really happened, but it will happen. And they'll say something like the royal funeral will be held in 10 days at Westminster Abbey. She'll be buried alongside Prince Philip, her husband, in the King George VI Memorial Chapel at Windsor Castle, where her parents are buried as well. And the London Stock Exchange and all the banks in England are going to be closed on the day of her funeral. Prince Charles is now the king. And his coronation ceremony will be in a few months on such and such a date. That's a euangelion, a gospel, a good news. We have a new, a, a good queen has died. It's sad, but we have good news. There is a new king, a new reign, if you will. Some people might not think so, <laughs> but that's what uh, an example of what this would be like. So a gospel, a euangelion, was always in the form of an announcement that proclaimed a specific or particular piece of news, like the death of a monarch, the reign of a new one. Here in West Seattle, we are waiting with great anticipation of a particular gospel to be announced. When exactly will the gospel, the good news of the West Seattle Bridge reopening, happen, thereby ushering in a new era and reign of peace and tranquility to our commutes? <laughs> so, a long time ago in a small town, in the backwater armpit of the Roman Empire, a baby was born and he grew up and started to talk about another gospel. And he started to talk about a new kingdom being ushered in. And he said, this kingdom is good news. And the challenging question I have for you today is this, what is the gospel to you? What has it been represented to you to be? Often the gospel is reduced to a tiny fraction of its original meaning and strength. And when we talk about the good news of Jesus today, it's reduced to a quick few lines about salvation. But it's more than that. It has always been more than that. Because when Jesus announced his good news of the kingdom of God that was come near, he was saying, this is good news right now. It's in your everyday life. And Jesus spoke about it over and over and over again. In fact, out of all of Jesus's 38 parables, in 20 of those, Jesus uses the word gospel and specifically and directly links it to the phrase, the kingdom of God. So when he uses the term good news, he's talking about the good news of the kingdom of God. So something very specific. So a follow-up question to ask that we should ask is, how many, how many times does Jesus bring up salvation in those parables? Zero. And so the further question after that is, are we talking about the same thing Jesus was talking about when we're talking about the gospel? Because he brings this up a lot. For example, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, the euangelion, of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And then in Mark uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 14 through 15, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Or Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So when we consider these scriptures, we see that Jesus' proclamation of the good news was definitely about salvation, but it was also about healing and restoring people to community. It was about forgiveness and loving each other well and serving others by putting their needs before our own. Jesus walked 
He walked his talk. He didn't just say, like a politician, I'm going to make a program to do such and such. And he went right. I mean, he didn't do that. He went right up to people who were untouchable, people who were unlovable, people who were alone, and he helped them at their point of need, reconnecting them to the real life relationships that they needed, the purpose and meaning. So we see Jesus going around and telling parables about the love of God and what it's like to live in God's kingdom of love. He puts it this way in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 30, which is our key text for today. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke to spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So Jesus's listeners and learners and followers, they knew exactly what he was talking about when he referred to the mustard seed because they were familiar with the teachings of the prophets of the Israel, the nation of Israel old. And in this case, Jesus is making a connection with the prophet Ezekiel and a specific passage actually in Ezekiel 17, verse 23, which talks about all kinds of birds from all over the world coming and resting in a tree that God has planted in Israel to bring rest and shade to them. In other words, it's a gospel metaphor, a good news metaphor that Jesus builds upon to show how his new kingdom, this new kingdom of God will grow rapidly by being a comfort and resting place to the weary and the tired and the hurting, to those who are hungry and thirsty. So there's a reason why the scriptures provide the image of God as giving us shelter beneath his wings. And the further idea then is that God's people are the ones who provide shade and rest for other people who need it. So as Jesus goes around teaching, uh, teaching this by sharing stories and parables, he also physically demonstrates what this kingdom of love is in tangible physical ways. In other words, his salvation, the salvation part of his good news, yes, it's salvation for the age to come in heaven, but also it's salvation right now in real life, in the life that we're living now. When it comes to discipleship, to following the gospel way of Jesus, it starts with our understanding of the way of life Jesus is calling everyone to, a life centered on the gospel, this good news about this kingdom of love. If, like many in our modern era have done, we only understand the good news as salvation to some esoteric kind of nebulous place called heaven after we die that we don't really have a good idea about, then we've missed it. If salvation after we die is the only core truth of the gospel, then what I've seen is that people who call themselves Christian just become complacent and content. We grow comfortable and apathetic. We don't serve the least of these. We don't even serve each other. For instance, we don't want to teach and demonstrate to kids and youth the revolutionary way Jesus lived. And, and we don't want to serve in various ministries. And we, if it puts me outside my comfort zone or it doesn't match up with my schedule, so why would I figure out how to help the neighbor down the street with their grocery shopping or loan them a car when they need it or help out at a food bank or you know, focus intentionally on how to pass my faith on to my kids by how I model faith to them, by how I serve. Because... If we're just saved for later, then we're good. We can kind of just check out and tick off the boxes and show up as spectators, but not really participate. But when we look at the context of these verses where Jesus announces the kingdom of God, he's inviting everyone, you and me, into something right here and now. 
right now, not after we die. He's declaring a kingdom over and against the other kingdoms that are reigning and vying over everything and everyone, all of us, right now, all the time. His announcement of the gospel is really good news. It's like he's recruiting a team to get in the game, not to stand on the sidelines or to be like a recliner quarterback, a couch potato quarterback. If you're if you're new to this idea of following Jesus, it is centered around his gospel, his good news that the kingdom of God has come near. And that means right now, it is available now. And it's based on God's grace and love in and through his son, Jesus. It's proclaimed by Jesus. It's lived out by Jesus. It's demonstrated by Jesus. And then it's imitated by his followers this way. The gospel is not just a transaction between you and God where you proclaim faith in Jesus and you just wait to die so you can move on to a better life. The gospel is the announcement of a new way to live where you can participate in life the way Jesus did. And each time you do, you bring a little foretaste of heaven down to earth for others to enjoy so they can get a glimpse of what real life truly is, just like Jesus did. Reducing the gospel, the good news, to something that's merely transactional, limiting it to heaven only after we die. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like... If I could explain it this way, it's like wanting to go on a dream vacation. Maybe, I don't know where you would dream to go, like Paris or Italy or Hawaii or Tahiti or whatever. And you put your faith in the travel guide and you learn and research everything you can about the destination. You know a lot about it, about wherever you're going. And you book the, tri- you book the trip trusting that it's going to be amazing. So you pack your bags and you get your itinerary set. And you go to the airport, you check your baggage, and you get through security and the plane's at the gate and boarding is announced. But you just wait there lost in a daydream about how great the destination will be, but you wait and wait and wait until you die and you never take the trip. So what I'm trying to say is don't don't miss the adventure now while you're stuck dreaming about the destination. Don't, Don't check out of this life now and the good news Jesus proclaimed that you could participate in right now, not someday. Jesus doesn't announce this amazing good news so we can repent, believe, and get saved so that you can just stand around at the gate, rereading the same brochure and not taking the trip. Why would you not want to fully enter into and participate in this kind of kingdom, in the good news of the kingdom of God? Until next time, I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.